we go. What is up, Fat Boys and the Indians fans? Tonight with me, I've got Ray Munger and Derek Emberton. Guys, what's going on? Hey, y'all, what's going on? Oh, not a lot. I'm just ready to dive into this uh, podcast episode tonight. Absolutely. Tonight, we've got a lot of uh, NFL topics along with NBA opening night. And, of course, we've got the off-the-cuff um, segment that we've been doing here the last couple podcasts. Um, diving right into it, uh, I want to get Ray's take on this first because I know you guys are both uh, both big uh, football fans. But, Ray, tell me, I mean, Sunday night, you guys are, you know, Chiefs lose to the uh, to the Pats. But overall, I mean, 43-40, tell me your take. What, what's going on? Well, it's it's really good to see how explosive Kansas City's offense can be and and with it, you see that you're never really out of a football game. And that's got to be comforting uh, as a Chiefs fan, um, just because you know you always have a chance. I'm a little bit concerned with the way that uh, Bill Belichick was able to shut down the offense in the first. Um, you see that Andy Reid is really innovative in the red zone. You know, he started that uh, the pop pass or – kind of like a z sweep and now the entire league is running it down by the goal line and to see that he's so innovative and then bill belichick was able to stifle that in the first half that's a little bit concerning as a chiefs fan because there's a good chance you see the patriots again down the road when it's a little more important in the playoffs but uh overall you you gotta you have to take away the good from it the offense is super explosive they're scoring points left and right I think another good thing that you that comes out of it is Breland Speaks gets reps in a hostile environment in a big game, so he kind of he he kind of gets to feel what that's like. And then there's a developing stud player in the back end of that defense in Jordan Lucas, and he gets big time looks also. And you can't simulate that stuff in practice. So I think I think it sucks to lose to the Patriots, obviously. Um, you want to win every football game you play because losing is contagious. But I think there's a lot of good takeaways there uh, for the Chiefs. Derek, what do you think? I have to go off race point, uh, building off that Ch- Belichick uh, comment. I thought uh, he did an awesome job game planning against the Chiefs. One thing I want to point out that I noticed early on, is uh, even when they had Kelsey split out wide, there was a few plays they even took uh, a linebacker out there. I believe it was Dante Hightower, and they they made sure that Kelsey didn't even get off the line. So they pretty much had to negate him, like, I believe the first half pretty much. So I thought that was pretty impressive on uh, the Patriots' part. But uh, the second half was pretty incredible. Um, You know, having an offense like we've got, you know, you're never going to be out of a game no matter how poor your defense is. So that's a little bit uh, comforting to know that. But at the same time, I would like to see the Chiefs, you know, get healthy, uh, especially down to the end of the season. And, uh, you know, maybe even make a move or two to maybe improve this defense so we can actually have a legitimate shot to make a postseason run. And that's something the Chiefs fans haven't got to see for years. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out. So I guess my my rebuttal to all this, I mean, this offense is it's one of a kind, in my opinion. I mean, Andy Reid has it rolling. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I said it the other night. I mean, it may be way far-fetched, and maybe I'm looking way too into it, but every time I see the dude, he just wows me. He, he's got me believing that he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Maybe way, like I said, far-fetched. I don't know. The arm talent's there. The scheme is there. He just looks dynamite. Uh, the receivers are there. 
But then I flipped the switch and I go to that defense. The only takeaway or the only stop they had all night was the fumble by Brady. I mean, is that not concerning? It's it's absolutely concerning. I mean, in an era where defenses are less important than they've ever been, the Chiefs are finding ways to lose games with their defense. Like, the fact that, and I think everybody's aware, I love Sonny Michelle so much as a football player, it's sickening, but the fact that the Chiefs are letting him run unchecked and average, you know, that average per carry, it's very concerning. I think they've got to figure out a way to be better. Now, I mean, and, and you've seen some guys or some teams, I guess, you know, kind of format that with a pass rush or, you know, a stout when it comes to the running game or just stop one or the other, right? And guys, they're not start stopping either. I mean, they're 27th against the run. They're 31st against the pass. I mean, overall, that boils down to being the worst yardage per um, game defense. And I mean, if you ask, ask guys like Greg Smith, that doesn't matter. Um, and then, you know, you, I would rebuttal with, okay, that's fine, but they're 27th against, you know, points scored. So, you know, big deal, I guess, right? But it, it just, to me, like, I get you're getting good reps for some of these young guys. Like, Ray had a very good point. Uh, the Lucas kid, I mean, both – he about gets a pick in the last game, uh, you know, uh, against one a floater that Brady kind of threw up there for a jump ball, and he made a play on it, and it basically had it ripped away from him. But, I mean, some of those guys look like they're good, but – my most concerning thing is, so uh, Fuller it was supposed to be this great nickel guy that came over. He's getting exposed. Um, you're starting nickel right now as a guy that came into camp with Washington, and they just straight out cut him. They were like, you're not good enough to be here. And he's a starting nickel. Like, Skandrick is terrible. I am sorry. <laughs> he just doesn't – he doesn't wow me or do anything good. Like, he, he – I, I don't know. It just it, – it's very concerning. Like, you don't even – uh, I can't even sit here and scheme and say, okay, well, Bob Sutton in this situation should, you know, look to play man-to-man um, like they did early in the in the beginning of the football game. Um, they had a little bit of success, but it that success just led to, you know, Patriot, Patriots points. Like, it didn't do anything that was crazy good. And when I hear, you know, well, we don't have Justin Houston. Well, Justin Houston hasn't done anything all year long. Uh, and we he only had three sacks, too. I think I that's mean, all he's well, and that's all he's been able to do. Like, outside of that, he's not playing the, the run well. He's not doing a whole lot of things. That's just my opinion, obviously. Like, he's not setting an edge. Um, Breland Speaks can't do that either. I was telling them, Ray, we had our uh, – unfortunately, we had a video that uh, we had recorded that we weren't able to get out uh, due to technical difficulties. But, you know, one of the big things that we hit on was Speaks, when he got his reps, like – and it happened in the beginning of the game because these guys were talking about how big he was. And I basically said, just watch this guy get mauled. Like, watch him come off the edge and just get planted. And it happened, didn't I, it? I, my comment was, you can't play this guy. That's how bad he was. He did not deserve to be on the football field. It was pretty evident watching that Patriots game, too. Uh, I might get – is it Trent Brown or Trey Brown, the tackle for the Patriots? Oh. Trent Brown. Okay, yeah. I was watching a few series, and I was just – I mean, he couldn't do anything. That That tackle was controlling him wherever he wanted to go, and it was just like, this is pathetic. You can't have a guy on the edge like that. No, and I I think to get back to a little bit just before we lose it, uh, Kendall Fuller and Justin Houston and, and all that, I don't think Kendall Fuller's a bad football player. I do think that corner is a position 
that is helped out by an outside linebacker or a rush end immensely. And while Justin Houston may not be producing the sacks, he may not be getting the numbers, what he does do is occupy blockers. And you're seeing it a lot this year that he's occupying blockers and D Ford is having his most successful year by far. And I think that goes for Kendall Fuller also too. Those corners can only cover for so long. And sometimes they need help because they're on an island. It's like Darrell Rivas used to say, you know. So I see I see where the production isn't there for Justin Houston, and I see where the production isn't there for Kendall Fuller. But I think that they're uh I think that they kind of rely on each other. And and that goes for the defense as a whole, really. Okay. Uh and my to my last point when it comes to this, um, I really like if you look at it as a whole, I know I'm so negative about the defense. Uh but Honestly, I think it is a positive if you look at it um, totally. But uh, to this last point, is it, what's wrong with Eric Berry? I mean, is there something more that we're just not hearing about? I mean. So Eric Berry has, and I, I don't have the actual medical definition um, in front of me, but he's got a bone spur in his heel. And his bone spur in his heel is irritating his opposite Achilles, not the one that he ruptured. So I think that there's fear that that bone spur could cause an Achilles rupture. And I also think that one of the things is it's managing his pain. And uh, I heard on uh, the radio this morning, they were discussing with a Chiefs insider, a guy who had um, some knowledge, that uh, they think they're saving Eric Berry for when they can give him cortisone shots. Because the human body can only take so many cortisone shots before it starts causing real problems. And we think, or he thinks, and I kind of agree with it also, that they're kicking the can down the road until they really need him in, like, the playoffs. They can give him that cortisone shot to relieve the pain, and they can then turn him loose to play ball. Good point. Good point. Uh, So, since we're on this defensive side of the ball for the most part, um, Let's go ahead and jump into our next topic. I'm going to switch it up on you guys. I know the script says one way. We're going to go a different way here. Um, on that side of the ball, what is the most important side of the, you know, piece of that puzzle? Um, Ray, what do you think? I would have to say that the most important position on an NFL defense has to be a pass rusher. And I know that that's not necessarily a position. That's just a, a type of player. But a disruptive pass rusher makes everyone better. It cuts down coverage times for corners and safeties. Um, It takes blockers away from the rest of the defensive line and linebackers that are coming to get the quarterback. And I think you can see it, and there's no better evidence than just this weekend, the Dolphins scoring points on the Bears when Khalil Mack sprained his ankle. Like, And we watched, everyone watched Khalil Mack the first couple weeks of the season. He just put on a Bears uniform, and they said, go kill the quarterback, and he did. And it made that defense so much better. And you see what that defense turns into when, whenever he's got something like a sprained ankle. So, for me, it's got to be, it's got to be pass rusher. Knocking down the quarterback can cover up so many other warts. Derek? Okay, so I got to go different since he went with a pass rusher. Uh, to me, I'd have to say a middle linebacker. Um, obviously, um, any position on defense could technically be your quarterback as far as, you know, calling assignments or what's going on. But 
I'd say middle linebacker, and like that comes to my mind is uh, Luke Keekley. Uh, watching him play, not only like what he does on the field physically, but just like how smart that guy is. Like you know, I, I don't know how many hours of film those guys study, but it feels like no matter where you line up, he knows whatever what play it's going to probably be, and he can you know tell the lineman where it's going. And I feel like just having that field general out there uh, to kind of like control what everyone's doing. I think that's huge for a football team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You get down with that. Um, mine is kind of a play off of uh, Ray. Another thing that we had talked about doing that video is I'm a big fan of not so much the pass, the pass rusher. I mean, it, it, it's a guy who can do both from the inside when it comes to, you know, the defensive tackle, you know, nose guard position. I love Geno Atkins. Like, I have a man crush on Geno Atkins. This dude yes. is just a freak. Um, I honestly think, you know, don't get me wrong, I think that Aaron Darnold probably is the, you know, the best defensive, you know, lineman probably in the league, um, especially from the interior position. But I don't think it's too far-fetched that Geno Atkins is, like, right behind him, like, nipping at his heels. I just think that Aaron gets a little bit more publicity than Geno does. Um, and, but, you know, Gino just continues to get paid in Cincinnati. So that's a, that's the kind of, uh, guy I want on my team when it comes to the most important, uh, piece of that puzzle on the defensive side. I want a guy who can get to the quarterback from the interior, but also when, it, when it's all said and done, if you're running the ball, he can sack it up and, you know, and wreak havoc in the running game as well. So the interior right. alignment is mine. Yeah. I like that too. Gino, Gino Atkins, is a little bit different than Aaron Donald because he can two gap if you ask him to. Whereas Aaron Donald weighs 280 pounds, you know, he's, he's a penetrating disruptor like we talked about. And he's a one gap guy that tries to get in and he wants to nuke your entire offensive play before it gets going. Whereas Geno Atkins does have some ability to stack up guards and centers and that let his linebackers run and make plays. I, I really love Geno Atkins too. He's a great football player. So with that point, we you know, we're talking game and things like that. Um, we've had a few uh, heated debates when it comes to the FBI uh, crew. Um, and what's basically drawn to this is I drafted David Johnson in a couple leagues, and basically majority of his carries have been inside runs this year, whereas in 2016 you looked at him more on the outside. They got him in space. Uh, Bruce Arians did a great job with that, and he really excelled. Well, my point to this is I know that PFF has – you know, the Arizona Cardinals with the worst offensive line in the league. I strongly disagree. I think the worst offensive line in the league is in New York. That Giants offensive line is absolutely terrible. They're when you, awful. Yeah, I mean, when you can look at your offensive line and cut your right tackle, just cut him, not even bench him, <laughs> just cut him, and you're like, oh, well, you know, this backup's better. It's like, well, then why did that other guy start the entire damn season? Right. So, uh, I, but I'm, like I'm saying, I'm not. I'm not saying they're good by any means. I think that there's about three to four. I would take them over Tampa Bay. Um, I would also take them over over Indy. Um, there's just some that I think that it's like, yeah, hey, you should probably take a little bit, you know, closer look at these offensive lines before you uh, rank them all the way back there. Um, Justin Pugh is on that offensive line, and they've got him rated at like 51. Like, it's a score, and I'm like, yeah, that's probably not right. Um, it may be because of, you know, the chemistry that he's got there, but that guy's a pretty good, you know, interior guard. Um, but when it comes to that in the running game, how much 
do you blame on a running back for struggling? I mean, because in my opinion, guys, um, it's basically if I'm handing you the ball, I don't care if it's on the outside. I don't care if it's an inside zone. I don't care if it's a stretch play, toss play. Like, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan's giving multiple guys the ball, and it doesn't matter. The other night, like, they're running inside zones. They're running, you know, quick toss plays as they're getting able to uh, get downfield, uh, or I'm sorry, cut back upfield and stuff. Like, you have to have some vision as a running back, and I think that when it comes to that, you have to be a dog and go get me yards, right? Right. I mean, what do you guys think about that? I think that a very small – percentage of the blame in the running game goes on a running back because running back has to be the easiest position to learn and to play on the football field because it's all physical ability it's all it's even your vision is a physical ability of yours either you have it or you don't so you have to be able to see a a running back in his strengths, right? And then develop a scheme to let him run the football effectively. And so I've got some examples. I was really glad that I saw this on the script. So you think, how productive was Duke Johnson last year? He was an excellent NFL running back, right? I mean, for the Browns, although the Browns didn't win, he caught a ton of passes. He moved the chains a lot. He's a good football player. This year, he's completely not even an option for that offense. So are we to believe that over one offseason, Duke Johnson forgot how to play running back? Absolutely not. It has That has to go on the coaches at this point, I think. Because like you were just saying, he definitely produced last year on a terrible team. And for right. him to not get the necessary touches he should be getting this year, it just, it's, out, it's ridiculous. Right. So then I'll go back to use your example, Blake. David Johnson running behind an offensive line that is made up the of the majority of them are back from last year, where he's ultra ultra productive. And do are we to believe that he just forgot how to run the football again? Are we to believe that Adrian Peterson, when he put on a Saints uniform, forgot how to play running back? But now that he's got on a Redskins uniform and he's a year older, he's been he's been really affected. It's and I I wouldn't typically do this and and if people don't like this or they don't want to hear about it or whatever, leave it in the comments or whatever you want to do. But I just have a little bit of personal experience, okay? I played running back in a scheme in Wathena, Kansas for Mark Lukey. Right? We all know what it was. It was put everybody – he had a million tight ends and a million fullbacks, and he wanted to run the thing right up the middle a hundred times a game and then go home, right? And I sucked. I was not good at that. <laughs> okay? We were terrible. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. I, Wasn't that year – didn't they try to call you the bulldozer or something like that? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, it's awful. I'm not any good. The team's not any good. Okay. The next season, I go to Highland Community College and play running back in a spread system where I run draws and I catch screen passes and I take outside zone plays and I'm successful. I have the best season that I've ever had. So, like, it's schemes and it's the players around you, like, as a running back for sure. 
what are you supposed to do as a running back if there's a defensive end that has a hold of your ankles as soon as you get the football? And these guys don't forget overnight how to play running back, like David Johnson, like Duke Johnson, like like all these guys that they go from hot and cold and hot and cold as a running back. It's just – it's all on the coaching and it's all on the, the offensive line. And, yeah, it's it's frustrating to me to hear guys – get uh get trashed when when they didn't forget how to play running back just over one summer Derek what do you think well I hate to do this but I I completely agree with what Ray said um that was going to be my point too uh it comes down to uh schemes in my opinion uh was it Bruce Arians who was the head coach for the Cardinals before this season Correct. Yeah, and like he was putting David Johnson all over the field. That guy was getting touches left and right, and we saw what he was putting up. Like he was just he was a freak. And then you know this season, it's just like he looks like a completely different football player. And to go off race point, the guy didn't forget how to play football. He just he's in a bad situation, in my opinion, right now. I mean, losing Arians is probably the worst thing that could happen to him. Well, yeah, and and here's another fact that. I think a lot of people forget about and it gets lost in the jumble and things like that. So flip it back to 2016. Who's his quarterback? Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer, yeah. Carson Palmer. And he also has Smokey Brown there. He's got Jerron Brown. They've got weapons on the outside, right? So that's very Gerald's two years younger. Yeah. I mean, you've got a guy who in his entire career, Carson Palmer could do one thing, and that is sling the absolute shit out of a football. He may get it picked a few times, and he's not the most athletic guy, but if you give him a pocket, a clean pocket, he would pick you apart and let you know about it. So now let's flip it to this year. We've got Sam Bradford, who is just as immobile, if not more immobile, but there's not the weapons there. He's looked terrible. A rookie we, quarterback, too. Let's yeah, not forget they, Josh Rosen. Yeah, Rosen. And then Rosen. you throw Rosen in there. So Derek or David Johnson is seeing – Eight man, I mean, eight man's in the box, eight guys in the box, nine guys in the box. I mean, they're not even looking uh, to do anything outside of that. And I think that's another thing why you're seeing Larry Fitzgerald's numbers so far down. You know, they moved him into the slot and they've been moving him around to get him the ball. Now they're just running, running straight man to man on the outside and he can't separate, right? So yep. it's just, it's a, a total trickle down effect. And I think that. You know, that's why when I when I hear, you know, people are like, well, you know, the Arizona Cardinals have the worst offensive line in the league. And I'm like, no, no, they don't. I, I'm not good at math, but even if you have a tight end in there, that's six guys trying to block eight. Like, yeah, but come on. So, yeah, they're definitely – he's in a terrible spot, and they are just loading up the box to shut him down because he's the only real threat. I do think that, that some of it is – is uh, some of his production is a little bit because they, it's, it's Wilkes won't put him out in the slot to catch the football, and that's what was happening with him with a Bruce, the Bruce Arian scheme. He was running ten routes a game as a wide receiver essentially, and kind of getting a rhythm and getting some production going that way, and and he could carry that over into the backfield, and, and it's not there this year at all. I mean, I think uh, I looked a couple weeks ago, and he had averaged 10. I think I looked in week four. He had averaged 10 routes a game from the outside uh, in 16. And then this year he had run 10 routes from the outside total in week four. So, yeah, it's – 
I think it's totally scheme dependent and it's totally he's totally reliant on the rest of his team. Makes sense. So let's flip a let's flip the script a little bit, guys. Uh NBA opening night uh is of course tonight. We got uh Golden State taking on the Thunder. Um Derek, how excited for you for NBA the NBA to be back? Uh, okay, so I love the NBA, even though, like, this era we're in right now, I know who's going to win it this year, unless something crazy happens. But I always look forward to it. Um, I've always been a huge basketball fan, and I actually like to follow the regular season because there's a lot of uh, things that happen. You got these guys that you don't know about, and they're kind of breakthrough players that kind of just come out of nowhere. So I, I think that's really cool to follow, and uh also, I'm kind of interested to see how uh, the Lakers are going to do this year. A lot of experts have them really high in the rankings, but I have a feeling they're going to struggle early on. And I don't think this is going to be a very – I mean, they're going to be improved, but I just don't think they're going to do a whole lot in the West. Ray, do you have any interest in the NBA? <laughs> Man. Okay, so you remember I think it was like week three that the Jets and the Browns played each other on Thursday night. And you yeah. like you knew you knew it was going to be the worst game you'd ever seen in your whole life, <laughs> right? I would yep. rather I would rather pull up NFL Network and watch that game on repeat than watch the NBA. <laughs> Damn. So, so it's just not my thing. And don't get me wrong, I'm not disparaging them. As athletes, those guys are freak athletes and. I mean, they're flying all over the place. And then shooting is a skill of its own. And I know that it's intricate. But, man, I can't get behind it. So, I struggle with the fact that I never know who because it feels like everybody changes teams every year or it's a huge deal if somebody stays. And then I, I – because I don't know about uh, enough about it, it's like, I feel like everybody and their brother's got a max contract, and it's a guy I've never even seen on Sports Center. And then <laughs> that's a good point. And then I also get frustrated with how how frustrating it must be as a fan when sometimes these guys are just sitting. They're just like, "Nope, I'm not playing tonight." And so that's that's ultra foreign to me because every sport that I've played in or I was interested in, like part of it was to show up every night and be there for the rest of your team. Like I said, I'm not disparaging it. Millions of people love it, and I appreciate the athleticism those guys bring. But, but man, I, I don't, I can't, I just can't. There's <laughs> definitely a lot of things that could improve the game. Uh, I don't want to go too in depth into it, but I feel like, uh, I feel like the refs should let these guys play a little bit more. Uh, you put your hand on someone barely, and it's like a reaching foul, and I don't agree with that. I feel like there's a certain physicality that makes basketball a beautiful game. And when you take that away, it just kind of it, it does ruin it for a lot of people that do like to watch basketball. I'm I'm kind of in the middle of you know middle of you two. Like I know Dirk's a big basketball fan. I know Tanner is too. Um, Ray, you know, confirmed that he absolutely is not a big fan. <laughs> he's 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 a fan of watching the Browns and Jets. <laughs> he's over there. He's like, man, I wish Todd Bowles would smile again. That is a pretty <laughs> smile, but. For me, it's like, you know, I just can't – I can't do it. Like, with, like I, I love watching college basketball. Like, I, I love that, right? Um, I think it's a great, you know, great time of the year college basketball season is. Um, the NBA with the regular season, like, yeah, there's moments where I'll sit down, like uh, holidays, you know, Thanksgiving, uh, 
Christmas, things like that. I'll, I'll sit down with our family. We'll watch a game. You know, it's usually one of the high profile games or whatever, but uh, for the, for the most part, I can't. And when it look when you look at this game tonight, everybody's like, Oh, it's, o- it's opening night. You know, it's the first game of the season. And I'm like, yeah, but the Thunder don't have Russell Westbrook. So why should I turn it on? You know what I mean, Derek? It, that's, that's a big point. Like when those big name guys, you know, like if Paul George isn't playing or Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, LeBron, uh, Kyrie, when you got guys like that, that aren't playing, it definitely does hurt. Ray mentioned like when you got guys sitting out for no reason, it's like, you know, imagine being that fan. Okay, I just spent one hundred and fifty dollars to come watch you play, and your ass is going to sit out tonight. Yeah, I don't think insane. so, dude. That that that's bullshit. That's I don't insane. understand how uh, San Antonio hasn't lost like season ticket holders with that because they're notorious for that. It's like, oh well, you know, it's Monday. We're not going to release until they don't. You know, we're not going to release that they're not going to play until an hour before the game. So <laughs> doesn't like San a, Antonio do that a bunch because all their guys were like a hundred? That's yeah, a good that, point. That's what it used to be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But and then to the flip side, like I said, you know some of the stuff I like to watch. Um, the thing that I, it's still I hate it, and I I wish that people would get away from it is, you know, it's going to kind of play back into my topic that I've got for off the cuff. But there are so many prima donnas on an NF, or on an NBA court, like it it is disgusting. I Even like it. the guys that are way down on the bench that like make minimum salary in the NBA, it's like you have no right to be the way you are acting right now. Like, come on now. No, I, I totally agree. There's prima donnas and, like, the whole, like – Ooh, fake tough guys. That's another one. Well, that. But, like, the whole – if I drive down the lane and you're saying to let them play more, if you let them play more, I don't know. I mean, somebody somebody may fake an elbow injury or something going to the rack. I mean, I don't know because everything is a foul to, you know, when, when stuff happens on, on a court. And it just – they're all prima donnas. I hate it. God, I hate it. Um now, to that point, like you said, you also have the fake tough guys, uh, Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony, you know, people like oh, that. Marcus Smart. Like, like we kind of talked about this in one of the other podcasts. Like, I think the guys that you, you know are the real deal don't have to do that. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like they have a reputation was... that speaks for itself, I believe. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> but to that, guys, we're going to go ahead and jump into off the cuff. Um, Ray, go ahead. What do, you, what do you got for off the cuff? All right, guys. Uh, I have long felt this, and uh, a chief situation up in Foxborough uh, brought it up with a dude throwing beer at Tyreek Hill and those guys flipping him off there in the end zone. I understand that the root of fan is fanatic, but I think it's time for everybody to really check yourself as a fan. So, and don't get me wrong, I'm not in any way attempting to be holier than thou because I get, I really get frustrated with quarterback play. And if you follow my Twitter feed, then you'll see that I get really frustrated with quarterback play sometimes. But I think it's, it's really important that we start realizing and acting like these are people doing their job even though their job's a little bit more high profile and they do make more money and, and they're paid handsomely for playing a game. I think it's, it's really important to not be fanatical, to be, to be positive and be supportive and encouraging, but like bordering on things that could be within the confines of a law considered assault and battery, like throwing stuff at players like that's insanity. So I really, 
I really think that we need to get to a place where we realize these people are people. And we we operate that way. They're not just things that entertain us. They have families too, and they've got feelings too, and they have to worry about their safety just as much as we do ours. And they're really vulnerable being at the center of, you know, 70,000 people. And, and I mean, I've been in an NFL stadium recently. It's not the most strict, uh, strict entrance policies. You know, they say bring a clear bag, but Lord knows you're barely getting patted down at all. So I think that we need as fans to really check ourselves and try and be better fans. And I have one other point that kind of goes along with this. If you're a parent and your child is playing a sport, be a good fan and be a good parent. Be supportive, but don't be a psychopath. What we all need to realize as parents is odds are our children aren't the next Tom Brady. And you definitely can't expect them to be the next Tom Brady when they're playing fourth grade flag football. Get over yourself. Get over what you weren't, which I think is a lot of the reason people are living through their kids. And that's a kind of another topic. I absolutely agree with that. Um... But get over yourself and let the kids do what those leagues are designed to do and have fun and learn the game. You're, you can't show up to third or fourth grade flag football and expect your flag football quarterbacks to be making reads and your wide receivers to be running option routes. And you can't be screaming at your kids for dropping passes. That stuff in society needs to go away. So that's kind of my soapbox on it as, as fandom and how we treat people and then being a fan and a parent and how we treat our kids. So that's what I got for off the cuff. Derek, what do you got? All right, Blake, you know, I told you earlier in our group chat, I was going to go one way with this off the cuff, but I just had something come to me today. I was on Twitter or whatever. And uh, I saw Joey Bosa was withdrawing from school to uh, rehab that injury and get ready for the NFL draft. Nick Bosa. Oh, Nick Bosa. Excuse me. Yes. His younger brother. Um, And, this has been a topic we've talked about in our group chat for a while. Um, and I think I'm for it more now than ever. I think uh, it's already happening, you know, like, you know, the whole KU investigation and like uh, players being paid or whatnot. Apparently like Curtis Townsend, uh, there was something going on with him and Zion Williamson, the kid that committed to Duke about a, a lot of money that they needed to pay for him to get him to come there. Um, I'm not saying what that they're doing is right, but I feel like there should be some, way that we can pay these student athletes some sort of uh you know amount of money because the money they're making these universities it's it's incredible and uh i feel like some of these student athletes aren't getting paid what they should be especially when the school's making ton of money off their likeness by selling a jersey doesn't have their name on it has their number and everyone knows who that is i feel like that's something that we need to take a look at down the road and maybe make a rule change Okay. Uh, and for mine, guys, uh, mine is kind of a mixture uh, of raise points and, and then some of the stuff I was talking about earlier. So I've continued to play um, at when, since I've moved back. 
you know, slow pitch softball on Sunday nights. It's all men's. Um, I used to play alumni basketball all the time. Um, just doing things that are post post high school, right? That are, they're not a collegiate sport, but boy, how do you, some of these people sure treat it like one? <laughs> and, and oh God! I, I will tell you what. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm I'm a very competitive guy. Like, uh, there's been times during alumni basketball I've sharpened the elbows and landed one. You know, being ultra competitive and doing some of that stuff. Um, it's kind of stupid. I was closer to high school than it is now. Um, but, you know, it's just I continue to see it as I continue to get older. And I'm just thinking, you know, one of the teams I played on, um, that it's a fun team to play on. Um, you know, everybody has a great time. We, you know, we drink some beer um, and just really go out and just we're there to have fun. Right. Uh, the team I played on, it was in summer and in this fall and we didn't win a game. And guys, sometimes it was pretty damn ugly. And, uh, you know, some of the guys like we, Jared Hawkins played on this team this fall. Um, and, I mean, we got better during the fall. But, you know, you, you're playing some of these guys and they're just out there just running their mouth. And I'm like, what are you even like? I, I get, yes, we all, we all get it. We, we look up at the scoreboard and you're up by 14. Like, good for you. I hope you go home tonight and your, your wife gives you an award. <laughs> but, like, I, I hope you get an award for that because. Uh, you know, and I played in a, uh, in a benefit softball tournament that I, I put on and played in it. And, you know, we have some arguing and a guy who's a little intoxicated and hits another guy in the chest with the ball. And I'm just like, did it, does it need to come to that? Like, at, at one point, do you just stop and say, okay, you know, I am, you know, even for, we'll, we'll just take my age. I am, you know, I'm 27 years old. Uh, I don't think me playing the softball, uh, you know, softball game out here, I don't think that Ohio State's going to send a recruiter down to make sure that I'm playing second base really well. So, <laughs> I got to add something to your point, Blake. Uh, sadly, I think a lot of these guys that you're talking about, I know some personally like growing up, but uh, sadly that's all they've got left. I feel like their life and what they do in their everyday life isn't enough for them, so they just – they're just trying to hold on to that last bit of glory they had back in their high school days. And Well, and I've played with what one of the teams I played on Bray was on the team. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, yes, we, we, we played a win and we want to win, but you don't see when we lost the game or I don't think we did actually on that team. <laughs> but uh, if, if we would have, I mean, you're not going to see us throwing a damn 10 for tantrum in the, you know, in the dugout. Like I watched the dude, you know, on that team, who's a who I grew up playing baseball with is a very good baseball player. Played baseball collegiately, is now playing softball. Like he messed up and took a strike and fouled one off and wasn't paying attention. And he then took two pitches and then decided that the next one that hit that was a ball he was just going to swing and strike himself out because he wasn't paying attention to the count. Did he get mad and you know argue? No. Like some of that stuff is just like guys, guys like. I understand that, you know, some of the stuff, uh, you know, like I said, I, winning is winning is one thing, and I know a lot of people enjoy doing it and enjoy playing and playing competitively. But another kicker to all this is, so there's two different divisions this fall. There's a competitive and a non-competitive. And obviously we're playing in the non-competitive. We didn't win one in the, in the summer, so why would you play competitive? And it's happening in the non-competitive. It's like, if you want to do that, go and play a different – different level like if you want to be like that elite and like you know maybe go try to play travel softball i don't know what to tell you 
I'll never understand Heritage Park in St. Joseph, Missouri. That place, I don't know where we hide them during the daylight, but man, there are real softball superstars that come down there. And I do think that it, it, it is, and I don't mean to trash people that I don't know, but it's like, I feel like if you were happy, like, and you were fulfilled at home, would you bring it like that to the softball field? Like, where you're? <laughs> no, of course like, not. That's it, I mean, I don't know. I I just I'll never understand the guys that are doing that. And I'm like I say, I'm ultra competitive guy too. Like I go out there and I play softball and I want to win. And I don't like when I play bad, which is like maybe another off the cuff for later about being <laughs> old and broken down, and not being able to do what you used to be able to do. But it's like you want to win, but if you don't win, who? cares and who will remember tomorrow exactly you we i actually i got into one of these things with a guy who was real upset about losing and i just told him down there i was like you could have my t-shirt from heritage park (laughs) because it doesn't matter it's rec league softball in st joe missouri and like you said blake nobody's watching nobody (laughs) like nobody cares the only person here that cares is you to that to that point, so this, this that brings up an amazing point that I almost I, I didn't forget about it, but it, it just like rehashed it in my mind. So we have this benefit softball tournament I was telling you about. All the proceeds go to the Donovan County Post Fifty Five um, that we received. They, it was a great benefit tournament. We raised twelve hundred dollars for the team. All that helps buy equipment, jerseys, things like that. That's clearly what it is, right? So of that, we had shirts that were made and donated, right, for the championship shirts. Right. That's all you received. Like you didn't win <laughs> any money back. You got a T-shirt. So this dude who plays—I'm not going to say his name—but he plays over there at Heritage. Um, he's not from Donovan County or anything like that. Uh, but he plays over there, um, and he's a—he's a younger cat. I think he's a couple years younger than I am. Um, big dude. I mean, he's—he's he's probably six four. He probably weighs two sixty, two sixty-five. I mean, he's a big dude. He's a left-handed guy. Um, but I'm going to be honest with you. He is awful. <laughs> and yes. uh, so in this tournament, I made sure. So a lot of the things that you run into when you run into tournament, I mean, Ray kind of knows this, Derek. I know you've played some, but for the listeners, you run into people whining about balls being hot. You, you whine about people, you know, using hot bats and things like that. So to eliminate that, I made sure to check before every game. The bat had to have an ASA stamp. You know, it couldn't be a U-trip bat or anything like that. And to eliminate the you know the hot ball situation, I went and bought balls. And yes, they were mush balls. They were uh, off the top of my head. They were uh, twelve inch, uh, forty four core, like three seventy five balls. So I mean, it's a it's a mush ball. Um, not only that, but you, there's a line in the outfield that you had to stay behind until the ball was hit. Now, people that were smart, like Danny Wyatt and some of our outfielders, they realized, hey, if I take off running when a girl's hitting. You know, and they hit the, like, if I can time the pitch up, I can get into the infield. Like, I don't have to just stand there flat-footed, right? Well, back to this guy, right? So, he's complaining about the balls, of all the things, it's the balls. I mean, his swing is awful. I, he couldn't hit a U-trip ball. It doesn't matter. So, he pops out for about the fourth time in the same game. And uh, his buddy, right after that, uh, decides to hit one over the scoreboard. But <laughs> as, as his buddy's hitting, he's over there talking smack about how the balls are. He's like, I don't know who's running the tournament. I looked at him and said, well, I'm running the tournament. And everybody's playing with the same ball. So we play them later on that night. And I blasted one to the right or to the right center field wall. You know, guys, I'm 
I'm uh, I'm right-handed, so I'm basically going opposite field, right? So I put one off the bottom of the base of the wall, and I get a double. So I am a little bit fatter now, but I'm I'm five seven, and I probably weigh two hundred pounds. Like I said, this guy is six four, two sixty-five. Like I just kind of looked at him and said, "Yep, it's the ball." <laughs> if you can put it out to the right field fence or right center field fence, and he's having a problem getting out there, I think that's more of a personal issue. He needs well, a, he needs to put he's a few left-handed. more. He needs a few more sweatbands and a little bit longer socks, I think. Yeah, like totally so. I was like, you know what? I, and, and like I said to some of the other people that maybe had a little bit of a comment about it, I was like, everybody's using the same thing. It's not like I'm letting people throw in evil balls where you guys are using these mush balls. So just deal with it. But yeah. well, guys, I think we have a pretty quality uh, episode here. Um, Appreciate you guys getting on here with me. Um, and once again, like always, uh, thank you to all the listeners uh, for tuning in and checking us out. Um, you can find us on, obviously, um, iTunes. Uh, you can find us here on Anchor. Um, we're also on Spotify, uh, Google Podcast, and uh, any basically anywhere that you want to listen to a podcast, we're there, fellas uh, and ladies. So uh, thanks for checking us out, and peace. See you all.